you're feeling so um, tender, kind of very open, uh, vulnerable, um, sad, with uh, the news of all the shootings, the shootings of yesterday and of last Tuesday also in Atlanta. And so I, I feel like I, I have to speak from this place. And yet my, um, you know, my, um, my mind has also been turning over the teachings of not self and the question of free will and conditioning and all of these teachings of the Buddha are relevant in a time like this. With uh, something like the shootings of this past week, we might, sometimes I think we, we can focus on the individual and doing something about the individual or perhaps doing something about the availability, the easy availability of guns in this country in particular. Um, and, you know, those things are, they are um, part, of, part of the process that we go through when we, uh, when we have something like this that happens. In, in our society. And yet the piece that really kept coming back to me, again, partly because of the, the conditions of what I've been reflecting on in this past week, is um, conditions. Conditions that come together for someone to do something like this. We've been exploring in the, the past few weeks about the, the teachings of not-self and how what we are, who we are, what we take to be I or me, is an unfolding process that is shaped by our conditions. the history, the conditions of our lives, the, both the external and the internal conditions shape who we are. So you know, who I am is, is partly you know, based on my own choices and decisions and actions, but those, even those choices and decisions have actions and actions have been influenced by my upbringing, by my conditioning, by the, uh, by the, um, 
the shaping from my family, from my culture, by the color of my skin, by the gender that I have, by my sexual orientation, all of this has shaped, have shaped who I am, some of which I have zero control over, much of which I don't have control over. You know, each of us has landed in the a family and a culture and we are we are shaped by that and and seeing this you know when we when we see this for ourselves when we see how so much of our actions come based on what we've learned, what we've been taught. And uh, often uh, also come from our emotional response to those, what we've learned, our emotional response to the conditions that we find ourselves in. Also, those emotional responses have been shaped. As we start to see this with our practice, as we explore this internal experience of what I think I am, who I think I am, we see that it's all these threads, all these different weavings of so many conditions. We also see that without that kind of attention and without that kind of uh, awareness of what's motivating us, what's, what, you know, those choices, the, I mean, the good news with, with the, the, the practice that the Buddha offers is that there is some measure of choice that we have in the moment when we are aware. There's a measure of choice that we have. That when we see how suffering works, when we see how our own habits and patterns and conditions shape our choices, when we can become aware of them, we can become aware in a moment, we can become aware before we act, before we speak, before we, even before an emotion or a thought, arises, there can be some awareness of a kind of an intention in that direction. And seeing that, we can begin to uh, feel into, very much it is, there is a lot of the the feeling of this when we, we start to touch into these deeper currents of our motivations. Often we don't really have words for them. We don't really have uh, a pointer to, oh, that's what that is. It's, it can be much more vague and diffuse. As I was pointing to in the, in the guided meditation, you know, those wispy kind of sensations, the embodied experience can be very wispy and diffuse and not very precise. But those, those wispy, non-imprecise kind of emotions and experiences are, can be very powerful motivators for us. And so becoming aware of these undercurrents of motivation 
there is the possibility of recognizing, oh, acting out of that, that might not be so helpful. Acting out of that might end up putting suffering into the world, might hurt the person that I'm talking to, or might ultimately rebound on me. ultimately rebound on this system and and again it's not it's not a me per se that it rebounds on it is it is the uh, you know when we when our system chooses acts decides out of these conditions this system also experiences consequences and that's partly how the learning happens and that's partly how we learn is the the consequences when when this system chooses, decides, takes an action, and consequences unfold, then there can be that can be fed into future decisions. So that the whole the whole thing, none of it requires as a self, none of it requires an I or a me. This whole learning process, as we've been exploring over these last weeks, but to get begin to get familiar with these choices, these motivations, these uh, under undercurrents of what feels like me, we begin to to have a little more capacity or possibility to maybe choose from that learning rather than to act based on that kind of momentum of conditioning. The momentum of conditioning is so powerful in all of us. And this is what we, one thing that we see, right? We see this when we, when we look at our experience, we see how powerful that momentum of conditioning is and how hard it is, how hard it is to not just follow it. It's like, maybe we've got a feeling of a whole like, deep current and stream heading in this direction based on how we've been shaped by our lives and maybe a little bit of understanding that that says, oh, maybe that's not such a good idea. Just a little trickle of understanding that, oh, maybe that could go that way. How hard it is to not just follow that conditioning. And maybe we can begin to recognize as we see how hard that is of what everyone in the world is facing in terms of meeting their conditioning. And for me, this is a a piece of my experience in this moment particularly is the ache of the conditions that have shaped these circumstances of these mass shootings. They're vast. The conditions that have shaped these shootings are vast. In Atlanta, it may have many threads of of, um, discrimination, threads of I don't I don't know that much about the shooter in, in the Atlanta case. I know less about the shooter in the in the uh, Boulder case. 
there's been some news about, you know, the, the, the history of that person. And there was something that happened just a couple days ago in that situation that the church, the church where that person belonged to, the shooter. This was my impression when I read this. I, 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 I didn't dive deeply into the article, but the headline was something like, the church expelled the person from their church. And that was so painful to feel and to hear that, you know, that, that, that there wasn't a kind of a sense of what can we do? I mean, it's like, let's expel the individual, you know, to, to, to not be looking at the conditions, to not be, to not be, um, seeing if there might be a way to support somebody in understanding the the consequences and the you know the pain that is unfolding based on their actions maybe 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 a person might not be able to hear it but to give up that was painful for me to hear i hope as a society we don't just give up on to, to just the, the piece that that really pointed to to me is like really treating that person as an individual isolated from other circumstances and I think that if we really want to learn something that we have to broaden our learn something and, and have some meaning, some, some sense of what can we, you know, what can we apply? What can we, um, how might we be able to shape some conditions that would be more uh, wholesome for the future? And it might be, and this is hard work, you know, to look at what are the conditions? Conditions, we're all a part of these conditions you know, the, the conditions that shape experience in people's lives. And so to, you know, to kind of do a little bit of a, of a deeper dive of what are the conditions that, from out of which this, this kind of action grows, it can grow from hatred. Well, what does the hatred grow from? Maybe oppression, fear, confusion, misinformation, beliefs, ideologies. And where do those grow from? To, to, to kind of have a curiosity about the conditions out of which a circumstance happens. When we explore our own experience, this is part of the investigation and part of what is freeing for us. 
my own personal journey around looking at anger and hatred, particularly self-hatred in the mind. Being with that experience was useful, you know, to, 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 to be able to hold it and not flee, not turn away, not just say, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't be with this. I have to, you know, repress it, put it underground. And maybe that's kind of what we, we try to do as a culture in a way. Let's, you know, let's repress it. Let's put it underground. We catch the person we put, you know, we try them and, and it's like, okay, that's, that's, that's handled. But, uh, you know, I actually did a Google search on mass shootings in 2021. And they're the, you know, they listed definitions, different definitions of mass shootings. And some definitions include pe when people have died, but some are just like when more than, you know, five people are shot. And that was the list that was on the wiki page for mass shootings in 2021. And it was like, I mean, I don't know if every single day there's been a mass shooting, but it's close. It's, it's like, it's happening everywhere. And, you know, so, so, you know, there's the, there's the kind of like, okay, when the big ones happen, you know, when there's actually, you know, more than, you know, seven or eight people who are shot and die, it comes into our consciousness a little bit more, perhaps. It, it kind of comes into our collective consciousness. And we think of it as, okay, the solution, maybe the solution is the individual, maybe the solution is gun control, you know, whatever our mind, wherever our minds go to try to, you know, think about it. But those are really just surface conditions. And so looking, looking in our own experience, you know, not turning away, not just saying, okay, I figured this one out and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to look at this anymore. That the, really the looking deeply at the conditions, it takes courage internally when we find ourselves with habits and patterns that um, are painful. It's hard to look at them. And sometimes we have to understand and know when it is possible to look at them, when we have enough capacity, when we have the strength, when we can meet it without being pulled under by it. So we have to have some honesty about that part, absolutely. And then when we can have that honesty, we can have that, that exploration of, oh, this is what it's like to feel those emotions. For me, the, the power of that, of being able to have some measure of capacity to meet the challenging emotions, it's not that just that feeling the emotions in and of themselves is what's valuable, but it's understanding something about how those emotions have been conditioned. That, that has been so freeing. That's, that's the place where the mind begins. And, and partly because it begins to understand the not-self nature of these arisings, of the emotions. That as we see the conditioned nature of our habits and patterns, as I saw the conditioned nature of my anger, as I saw the conditioned nature of my self-hatred, 
there was much more capacity to be with the experience, partly because I understood this is not me. This is not who I am. This is conditions unfolding. So it allowed more capacity to meet the experience and more capacity to understand the entire thing, the entire experience, the entire reactivity as shaped by many threads, patterns, habits, choices, not only by me, but by my family, by my culture, by, by going back generations even, you know, it's, it's vast. Just one person's conditioning is vast. And then as we think about what's happening, you know, these mass shootings, these mass shootings every day, just about in 2021. And, and it's not just 2021, you know, it's like, it's been this way. I looked back prior years, it's like, yeah, it's been this way for quite a while. To, you know, to, to be curious about the broader systems at play. Some of those systems are you know, in, in the, in the um, ease of being able to, uh, to get guns, but it's not just about guns. It's, you know, it's really about, I think, understanding the motivation, understanding the conditions that lead somebody to have the wish to take somebody's life or take multiple people's lives. What is the pain? What is the, the conditions that underlie that? And are there things that we can learn about that? Another piece that I, I saw in my own reflection and meeting of this in the last, the last day this morning as I was looking, it's like there was so little information. It was interesting to me, okay, I wanted information. I wanted to understand something. And so I went searching for information. It's like, okay, Mulder police are having a press conference. What are they saying? It's like, okay, they revealed, they revealed like the name of the shooter and they revealed the names and ages of the victim. Oh, and the age of the shooter as well. And, and that was, you know, they'd made no, no information about the background of the shooter. You know, they, they didn't talk it much about what a motivation might have been. Um, but I watched my mind create based on this minimal information, you know, I watched my mind create ideas beliefs about what might happen based on the name of the shooter. This is a, this may be a tendency we have. So for me, this is, this was an othering that, that started to happen in the mind. Fortunately, I caught it. I caught that. 
creation of an other to explain something, you know, in my mind, some idea or belief. That that othering, you know, I hadn't, I, I this just happened like 10, 15 minutes before our class, so I haven't really gone a lot deeper in the understanding of what what was the what was the uh, identity here that was based on that othering what was the what was the kind of the purpose almost what was the what was the purpose behind that othering what was it how is it trying to probably protect me in some fashion you know what was it doing there's some curiosity there. I don't know yet. I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to really go in there yet to see. So for me also, this, this kind of exploration around looking at conditioning, looking at my own conditioning, reflecting on the conditioning of others and how for me actually the the looking at my own conditioning has made it much easier to have a sense of compassion for others because it is so hard not to just simply follow conditioning we have to have quite a bit of presence of mind to not just follow our conditioning. This brings in that free will thread in a way. You know, the, the question around free will, it came up some weeks ago, and I may still try to talk about that at some point more thoroughly. Now we think, we think we have free will when we can do what we want. But those wantings are shaped, those wantings are conditioned. And when we are when we are not aware of the shaping of our desires, when we're you know, when we're the typical so many of our choices, so many of what we think of as our free choices are not free choices because they are, you know, without awareness, we are just basically being acting based on our conditioning, acting based on our conditioning. And that is probably what was going on for the shooters. They were acting based on their conditioning not a lot of awareness of their own uh, underlying um, pain and conditioning is the, 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 the pain is being put externally, you know, that this is just a very, a very um, gross kind of extrapolate interpretation. But, um, you know, if I can get rid of I can get rid of this pain by getting rid of some people, something like that, that kind of, but, but not an awareness of that, that pain is being shaped internally. So for me, the reflection on conditioning 
is a doorway to the heart being able to hold the pain. The heart being able to hold the broader conditions of the world in which this is the world that we live in. This is another, like, like honesty. <laughs> yes, this is the world that we live in. So the, the teachings, the wisdom teachings of the Buddha, for me, the, particularly the teaching on the conditioned nature of our experience, and it's connected directly to the not-self teaching. It's directly connected to the heart's capacity for compassion to hold the suffering of the world. And then, and then from that compassion, compassion, compassion has a natural inclination to respond to the suffering, not out of anger, not out of hatred, not out of confusion, but out of wisdom and understanding and the heart feeling connected not feeling divisions and so that the opening of the heart to compassion also supports a movement towards action and that's a question that does arise what can we do i don't know i don't know for any one person what we can do this is right here, what I'm talking about today, this is part of my doing, you know, kind of reflecting on this and sharing some reflections. So there's many ways that a response out of wisdom, a response from compassion might look Sometimes it might look like activism. Sometimes it might look a little quieter. Sometimes it might look like just a simple action, being a little more kind and compassionate to somebody you don't know or somebody who looks a little different from you. So, yeah, those are some reflections. So, any any reflections on your side? There were a couple in the in the um, chat, and somebody mentioned the pandemic creating a high level of anxiety. Yes, this is a condition. This is a condition that we are all in right now that is, you know, shaping, shaping some of what's happening. Yeah, so the, the reflection was the pandemic is creating a high level of anxiety 
Some people cope better than others, depending on the support they get, depending on their conditioning, the coping strategies, uh, what the strategies are, that's all, that's all conditioned. Depending on the support they get, know what's about, what's available or can access. So other, other reflections, um, comments from, from your side. Sometimes one of the questions that comes up is, what can I do? And um, I think one of the first things that we can do and that our, our practice points to is really being present for your own response. Because that you know, bringing that curiosity, bringing that kind of wisdom approach to being with our own response creates the conditions for compassionate action. Whereas if we're coming from the, what can I do, you know, with that I being motivated by the whole, like, thread of conditioned sense of self, Often that what can I do is, is motivated by um, how can I get rid of this pain that I'm feeling? And it's, you know, so it's kind of looped back on itself. So the what can I do, Sometimes it doesn't feel that satisfying to say, okay, look at your experience, you know, especially with something as big as this. It doesn't feel that satisfying to say, look at your experience. But the response that can come once we have started to really open and look at our experience, the response can have much more wisdom in it. And will be also true to you, true to true to the shaping that you have had. I mean, there's some of some of how we've been shaped is also beautiful. And, you know, this this uh, this exploration of of what's here kind of begins to help our minds, you know, tease apart the beautiful shaping from the less helpful shaping. There's something else in the chat. Bertrand Russell's advice at the end of his life, be a little kinder, that's what one can do. The Dalai Lama said something similar. He said, when possible, be kind. And it's always possible. And he even went to say, you know, kindness is my religion. <laughs> kindness is my, is my, yeah. Steve, yeah. So I came in a little late, so I'm not sure if you covered this or not, but what you just said prompted this in my mind. A lot of the ways we're shaped 
is as a result of protecting ourselves. Um, otherwise, we might not survive. If we're children, we don't have the tools to protect ourselves. So we develop a con as a consequence, these habits, these feelings, these priorities, these fears. How do you tease that out from, from the, good, the good stuff? It's the bad stuff, but it's the bad stuff that's yeah, I mean, the, 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 the often, you know, we look when we look back at what we think, you know, what we now think of as some strategies that aren't so helpful. And this is part of how looking at our conditioning can actually help us to begin this teasing apart. It's like, we see, oh, like some of these strategies, um, they were shaped from when I was young, and I didn't, you know, didn't have a lot of skills, didn't, I mean, it's like, I, the system did what it could to survive at that, at that point, you know, so the system, the system, it's the shaping of those strategies are often self-protective. And so, you know, sometimes we can, we can appreciate that they have been, that they helped us to get here, but then begin to recognize and maybe, maybe it's not a useful strategy anymore. Um, and, and, and yet deeply conditioned, of course. So, so that takes, so I had a, a very strong strategy of anger, lashing out and self-hatred to kind of, uh, uh, um, they were related. They were very related, these strategies. And so much of, of what I did begin to see is, oh, how would this was shaped and the, you know, the, the, um, the strategies, you know, that the, the anger thought it was doing something for me, you know, it really did. It thought it was taking care of me. Um, and that, that belief that was embedded in that anger, that was hard to see, you know, it's like, so, so, um, it's more, it's more that we look now, like we don't, we don't tease it apart in the past. We look now and what is arising now and, the, the what's arising now is going to be shaped based on our conditioning. And often those, those motivations, um, you know, have come from strategies that protected us in the past, but with a little bit more wisdom in using the tools of being mindful, being aware, we can start to see, you know, the, 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 the delusion in the mind, you know, when I finally saw, Oh my gosh, my, this anger, this anger thinks it's helping me. You know, this anger thinks it's, you know, it's the, the belief that was in there was, yeah, that other person's going to be so miserable because I'm angry at them. But the being aware of it helped me to see that, uh, I was miserable with that experience of anger. And so that, that supported the mind to begin to let go of it. So it really is looking right here and now to the experiences that are that have been shaped you know what is arising and noticing the sensations the feelings the emotions the and, and often in a in a place of looking at is there kind of a constriction and it can feel like constriction and tightness and fear you know we, we can feel some of those emotions there um, and as we feel those uh, we see and feel that there is suffering in those themselves. And, 
And the very seeing of that begins to help the mind to tease apart those wholesome uh, movements from the less wholesome movements. It's, it's not actually, you know, it's not actually something we consciously can, can figure out. We can a little bit, you know, the Buddha offers some teachings like actions out of greed, actions out of aversion, actions out of delusion, those will lead you to suffering. Um, and yet we don't really get that. We can't just stop and say, oh, that's, that's aversion, so I shouldn't act out of that. You know, that's, that's not the way our system works. You know, that, that trying to just stop that can often just be an act of aversion itself, aversion to aversion. And so the, the exploration of, well, what is that experience of aversion begins to give the mind a different, um, a different experience of the aversion. It begins to give it a different, the, the recognition of, oh, this is actually what happens when there is aversion in the mind. And that hurts this being before it gets anywhere else you know so that so all the views and ideas and beliefs about yeah this anger is going to make somebody else miserable it's making me miserable first you know that 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 was that was like a huge under aha for me and it seems you know it's, it's something that you can be told but when you see it directly in your own experience it has a very deep impact on the system and so that's really what we do. It's, it's not so much trying to tease it apart rationally. It's more seeing what's happening um, in the moment. And our you know, mindfulness with this kind of curiosity of what is the experience in the present moment? What is this experience? Um, the, uh, the, the mindfulness along with that wisdom that is the curiosity begins to tease apart those the differences and begins to, to, to tease apart that whatever is arising that is creating constriction and con contraction that that way lies suffering and then and then we also start to feel the more uh the open-hearted kind of uh movements of heart and mind the the movements based on patience and compassion and connectedness and wisdom and we feel a very different quality in our hearts and minds and can see that choices you know, when we make choices out of that constricted place what we see if we're watching if we're learning is that when we make choices out of that constricted place it tends to create more constriction it tends to create more of that experience internally and also puts suffering externally and when we act out of the, the non-constriction, you know, our system does know how to take care of itself. It doesn't need that constriction and that anger and that hatred to take care of itself. That's something that's really hard to learn because when that anger is kind of ascendant in our minds, it has us completely convinced that, that we need it in order to survive. But the, the movement of um, compassion and the, the, the open heart, you know, we, we often think of that open-hearted experience as being, you know, at least in my mind, it was kind of like, that's a mushy kind of thing. That's a, a non-discriminating kind of experience. It's like, oh, yeah, it's all good. Everybody's good. Everybody's like, we all love each other. And it's like, 
that anger is going, no, there's things to worry about. And, the, and, and yet that open-hearted connection, when it's got wisdom in it, when it's got compassion in it, it's got discernment in it. So the open-hearted connection does not have to be just like, oh yeah, it's all good. That's delusion. So that, that there's, there's a learning there to trust the wisdom and the compassion to act, to skillfully act to take care of ourselves and to take care of others. <laughs>